This is the Pool Together Community Podcast. Pool Together is the world's number one no-loss prize savings account. And you can visit pooltogether.com to deposit. You're listening to the Pool Together Community Podcast. This is Millie Monthly, a.k.a. Tim, a.k.a. Hot Mike, a.k.a. I want to thank Russ and Daughters uh, in Brook in the Brooklyn Navy Yard for, for fueling me today. I'm about to eat some lunch. So, Jen... From Crossman, if you could talk a bunch so I can eat on mute while we're talking, while while we're doing this, this is really your <laughs> podcast now, because because uh, I got I got a vegan everything bagel with like capers and uh, this is New York City, right? So the bagels are banging. yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I got I got I got a, a full sour and a half sour pickle. I got a I got a cup of seltzer. I'm just living right. that life, and I get to talk to Jen from Crossman, who is a Swiss Army knife, if ever there were a Swiss Army knife in the biz. Jen, are you Swiss? Hmm. That's a good question. I'm kind of close to it, but not okay. really geographically close. I'm actually Danish and, uh, and Welsh. Were you in the army? Are you in the army? I actually was in the United States army. Yes. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, and, and do you own uh, knives? I, I, yeah, actually, uh, a lot of folks may not know this, but I am a big game hunter. And so, yes, I have several. I mean, we nailed the Swiss Army. Not only I, are I, you I a Swiss Army I don't even know how you did that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're kind of Swiss. You were in the Army. Kind of. yeah. And that's, you call that a knife. That's an old knife, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Let's just say that there's there's a variety of knives in, in my vicinity at all times, pretty much. Egg, yo. <laughs> no need for cold storage. No need for no, fear of wrench no, attacks. Sir. Nope. No <laughs> wrench attacks coming here. your way. Mm-mm. What'd you do in the army? Can you talk about it even? Yeah, I can actually. I uh, I was very, I had a very strange job. Um, a lot of people would not know what it is. I was what we call a zero two Bravo for MLS. And if anybody knows what that is, I will send you Please do tell. a heart emoji. That was a trumpet player. I was a trumpet player for the United States Army. Oh. Yeah. Actual like real job, like wow. Got deployed, got deployed to war and everything. It's crazy. So you just played trumpet in war, or did you no. also like? No, you were so you were also infantry, or they. What they do is they uh, retrain the army band as military police and uh, convoy guards and POW handlers. So we were just like the grunts up front, like handling people and doing stuff, and it was just like okay. That's that's my job now. We did bring our instruments, oddly enough. That was that's the weirdest part. And well, we you did got play. To. Yeah, we yeah. did play. Morale, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. And we played for the British Army too. The, there's the Brits and the uh, Australians were over there. And so we played for them and um that was kind of cool because they were uh either not smart enough or not cool enough or too smart to bring their own instruments out there in the big sandbox because Sand and, uh, you know, precise metal instruments do not mix very well. So I play trombone and I'm just thinking of the slide and all yeah. of the all of yeah. the hassle that would create. Yeah. But, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I play trumpet with a little bounce, you know, and that was hard enough. But Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, and the it, trombone players did not have it well. And a lot of people, not to, I don't care, we're, this, this is my podcast, it's fine. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, a lot of people don't know that you have to slide your pinky out on the trumpet for, for, for like tuning, you know. Yeah, on certain yeah. notes, right? Yeah, there's a lot more very going on. tough little slides. Yeah, the, the pinky and pinky and or there's actually two slides you can use, a and thumb? it's 
the uh, left-handed like ring finger and pinky finger too. Oh. And so there's like a lot going on there that you just don't, don't realize, but yeah, it's like micro tuning. It's tough, but yeah, it was yeah. a lot of fun though, for sure. Um, the one thing that a lot of people don't know is also in addition to the army band, number one, being deployed at, in general and number two, being retrained to actually be useful in combat. We do take up the role of standing at the front of the column of the military. And so like in the old times and like in those old, old paintings you've seen where, you know, the guy's like there with the flute and another guy with a drum and another guy with a flag out front. That's literally what we did. We were at the front of the column and we led the entire infantry division. It was an entire division behind us into war. It was crazy. Where were you deployed? Uh, Iraq. And then how'd you get into crypto? <laughs> well, okay, there was a few years in between then and and, uh, and crypto, but it was, uh, so I actually almost bought $200 of Bitcoin in 2012 and didn't um, because I couldn't afford it at the time. And, um, you know, we all have our Bitcoin stories. Uh, so that was my first brush with it. And then in about 2017, I tried to get into CryptoKitties and got pissed off at, at gas fees and how I kept trying to be cheap on gas and it kept failing and I kept losing money. And so I just quit. Um, and then I came back to it after becoming a day trader and then jumping from trading stocks to trade crypto. Trading crypto very quickly got me into NFTs. And I actually uh, discovered Solana NFTs in about September of, I'm going to get my years right, 2021. And um, so I just, I, I dove in and then I discovered this one project that I just absolutely loved. You know, I'm a science fiction author on the side uh, as if I don't do enough. I, I just have to keep busy and uh, I love planets and all the space stuff, you know, and I found this NFT that was about, um, it was a decentralized metaverse uh, where you owned your own planet and it was 3D, VR ready. It was just way ahead of its time. And the founders also were building a mint with credit card product where you didn't even have to, um, hopefully you guys can still hear me. My computer went on freaking sleep. Um, but good. you didn't, okay, good. You didn't even have to uh, have a crypto wallet and you didn't have to have any crypto and there's no KYC. You just put in your credit card and you minted and it went to a custodial wallet that CrossMint provided for you. And being a lazy person that I am, um, I lost my mind. And so that was when Solana was over $200. And I bought, I was one of the very first customers of CrossFit. And I bought several planets over 200 bucks each. And uh, um, I just fell in love with it. So I started helping in the community. I started like getting into Discord. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not like, a, you know, fresh out of high school kind of person. Like I have had a career. I was in tech. I did quality engineering for, you know, several years. I was a tech trainer for Boeing. I wrote Microsoft exams, like those exams you take to get certified. I wrote those exams, some of those exams. And so I, I just dove in and I just was like, oh my God, this is so much fun. I was like fangirling over this shit. And I, um, eventually they were just like, can you, can you just come work with us? And, uh, you know, it was like five employees at that time. There's the two co-founders, the business guy, and the uh, and the engineering guy, and then a sales guy, and two engineers. And uh, I was like, I, yeah, like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, okay, uh, can you just do sales and just talk to people and just be as excited as you are, you know, in Discord and and just trying to get people to to come use CrossFit. And this was mainly on Solana at the time, so that's what I did. I I'd never done sales before in my life, never did business development, never did any of this stuff. 
And I just dove in and <laughs> figured it out. And, you know, we're, we're pretty big on Solana now. That was our goal was to get on Magic Eden, get integrated. So now you can pay with a credit card on Magic Eden um, and also use cross-chain payments. So you can pay with Ethereum to buy a Solana NFT and vice versa if you'd like to. And you don't even need to have a wallet and there's no KYC again. So this is like groundbreaking stuff we're building. That is, you know, uh, the next step up from what we've already seen with a lot of providers who are on ramps. Um, you know, they they will on ramp you into crypto using a credit card directly like MoonPay. Um, but there's KYC and there is also you still have a crypto wallet. Um, there's still crypto involved in the user experience. And so with CrossMint, we essentially made it so you don't ever have to know anything about crypto or use it at all if you don't want to. And that's that's really what we're diving into and really trying to make it, um, you know, the differentiator and make it something that we can, you know, I hate using this word, but bridge the gap. Um, but it's more like flattening the learning curve of getting into Web3 so that we end up having more of like a boundary, a, a line painted on the ground that says you're crossing from Web2 into the world of the blockchain and you just step across it with CrossFit. So that's that's what we're doing. So that's how I got into it. Um, Great story. PLDR, I guess. Yeah. Well, and we have very similar stories and very different stories uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. But but I mean, that was my... I come from the world of nonprofit marketing and I always love tech. And, you know, mm -hmm. I had a friend who told me to get into ETH in 2019 and he you know paid me some eth for breakfast like to reimburse me so that twenty dollars turned into like four hundred dollars worth of breakfast that he paid reimbursed me for using eth and uh mm -hmm. in 2019 2020 and then like i got laid off during covid and then i uh you know looked into day trading and it stressed me out and then Leighton <laughs> from pool together Leighton saw me at a brewery and was like, hey, you should get back into crypto and told me about airdrops. And and then I was like, oh, that's great. But I still haven't gotten I, I have like the trading knowledge, like I studied a lot of technical analysis stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And and so anyway, it's a lot of fun, isn't it? It's yeah. A lot of fun. Oh, but it man. also like for me with ADD and like I just don't want to have to sit babysit stuff, you know, and mm -hmm. I guess you don't have to. There's ways to trade where you don't do that. And also you know, I'm just learning, like I'm watching these big macro moves, like, oh my, OMG, you know, like, especially yeah. now. So, so uh, do you think we have another leg down or do you think, do you think bull run now? <laughs> you not know, financial just, advance, advice, not, not financial yeah. advice. Yeah. NFA friends. But I, I, I still like, I love looking at charts. I just have so much fun looking at them because pattern recognition is, you know, when I worked in quality, um, quality engineering, quality assurance, all that stuff in software, a lot of it's pattern recognition, understanding like where, like what the user is going to see based on their behavioral patterns and what is expected, you know, from a business perspective, from an engineering perspective, from the customer's perspective, right? That's the, that's the holy triangle of software. And so I just fell in love with all this, you know, technical analysis or TA in, uh, in, in stock trading. The problem is there's a lot of manipulation. So like when you're doing, uh, when you're doing, you know, when you're trading stocks, you know, you can just get slapped upside the head when you think you got this great swing going on. And then some jerk is manipulating it and they drop like an offering on Friday right after the bell. And then suddenly your position on Monday is like horrible. And so I fell in love with crypto and then got into crypto trading. But then like now I even watch NFT floor prices and I just absolutely love them. So I was just looking at Solana price today. Uh, Solana, Ethereum, Bitcoin, all of them. And it's interesting watching and seeing how they are coupled, like obviously the uh, greater crypto market at large. And I personally see another downturn. 
Um, if you look at what's called a bubble chart for anyone who's not familiar, I recommend looking it up. Bubble chart is exactly what we saw Bitcoin just do. It's a very, uh, it's a, it's like a widespread, uh, well-known chart about uh, when there's a lot of hype around something and then it gets mass adoption. And then uh, um, suddenly the early adopters start taking profits. So you see a, a big dip at the top. And then everybody else is like, holy shit, the price is dropping on this incredible thing. And then they buy back in. So you have a second top that's a little lower than the first. And then it starts to die off as those people start taking profits. And then you see kind of a long tail. And then you'll end up usually with a bump at the end. And I think we're at this bump before it goes down into the lowest that it's been. But I don't actually think we're, no, we actually were in the lowest. So there's, there's according to this chart, if it follows it, this is the bump. It's going to go down a bit. And then we may start to see movement again after that in a better direction. Um, so I've been watching personally and I see a, on the daily or not on the daily, on the uh, hourly charts, there's kind of what we call a BART head forming on um, on Solana, Bitcoin. And I think I mean, it's mainly Solana, but they're all kind of similar. They all follow each other usually. Um, but usually what that means is it goes like straight up, which was that's what Solana just did. It went just straight up in the air, which in you know, any sort of trading, that is unsustainable. People will take profits. It has to come down almost as hard as it went up. And so when you have something um, that's called, you know, Bart, like Bart Simpson, it's it goes straight up and then it jags, it jags along for a little bit up and down and kind of chops and then it drops again. And so um, we may be on that dropping part. Um, again, not financial advice. We can't predict the future, but this is, you know, that's that's kind of how the patterns go. They tend to do a certain thing, so... I see it dropping so, a bit, and then yeah, we start to go back on the upswing a little bit more. But you don't think year. it's going to go lower than you don't think it's going to go like Bitcoin twelve thousand, eight thousand, like that. Negative. Like, I do you not. Don't think I think we saw. I think the bottom's in. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, so then I would say you're technically a bull. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I am all now. Right. Yeah, I um, liquidated all my NFTs in like freaking what june of last year pretty much all of them except for the ones that i i actually believe are builder you know nfts and um stabled up and then bought into you know solana on its way down and so I'll, like what i'm doing this week is i'm sort of uh micro trading the chop and then um just gonna see what happens just watch mainly if anybody's listening to this and you're interested in trading the main thing you ever want to look at is not the price action but you want to look at volume. You want to see how much of it is being traded because that indicates demand. And so that can really start to drive those patterns. So you're not full on TA. Mm -mm. Okay. No, especially not in crypto and in NFT world. There is so, which is the interesting part. There's a huge psychological aspect to it that normally drives. That's what drives technical analysis is the psych, it's psychology. It's, it's graphs that represent the psychology of, of people in their trading and how they view money and how they view risk and, you know, all these things. And so in NFTs and crypto, there's so much more um, psychology involved. There's so much more, uh, is the community good? Did the founder post a banger tweet today? Uh, you know, is there, uh, you know, some pending move like D gods are moving from Solana to Ethereum and then that shot their, you know, floor price through the roof um, and things like that. So, there's there's just a lot of other factors to take into consideration, especially with um, with NFTs, um, because they also have super super uh, rarefied um, 
actual quantities available. Like you only have like, say, 10,000 D gods or, you know, 999 of whatever this other NFT is. And, you know, that that price action can can change pretty drastically, pretty quickly. Yeah, I follow Big Big Cheds on Twitter, who is very much a uh, TA, like Japanese cap- candlestick person mm-hmm. who looks at mm-hmm. who looks at the charts and then also sentiment and then that's it like that is it and anything that you need will be reflected in charts which to me yeah. is like very like quantum and mystical even you know yeah. like that yeah. that a chart could do <laughs> that and i and i kind of believe it but then there's also this other thing with trading i'm so convinced and i use chess as the analogy here is that you know uh now humans can't be re- AI and chess. We used to be able to beat AI and chess. Now we can't. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now AI can't beat human plus AI, right? AI yeah. versus human plus AI. Human plus AI always wins. So that now it's like a, a human AI combo game. And mm-hmm. so I would say obviously that's the same with trading, right? Like yeah. you just have to you have to get a robot partner. And so for people who are non-technical, I, I think that's very, you know, um, it's it's not egalitarian, right? So like a non-technical mm-hmm. person who doesn't have access to the bots and stuff isn't going to have like the full uh, play. You know, they, they're mm-hmm. not they're not playing with a full deck. It, it, this also happens with poker. Everything that I love, the, the bots, the bots <laughs> are taking over, and I don't yeah, have a bot partner. <laughs> I just want a bot partner. I want a little. Well- Oh, Wally to go with me and help me have a competitive edge. Right. That's how I feel. You know, like I said, I'm an author. And so all this like Chad GPT, uh, you know, even for cover art, you know, having mid journey and all these things, I'm like stoked about it. Cause I, I, you know, I'm in, this is my personal opinion, but I am here for my robot overlords. Please take over, make my life easier because why do I want to work harder when I can make the robot do the heavy lifting and then I can tweak it to how I want it to be. Like, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. Like if I have a hard time writing a certain passage, I'll be like, yo, chat GPT, write this up for me. And I'll be like, Hmm, you know, that's, that's pretty good. Um, you know, I'm inspired. I've got some basic content here. Okay. This will make it easier for me, but it's not, it's not cheating. You know, I don't see it as cheating. Just like, uh, I also view the memorization of facts, not not the memorization of formulas, but the memorization of facts is something that is obsolete. Uh, we have Google. There is no need to memorize facts that are not in your everyday life. So it's like, why would you take a te- force people to take a test where we have technology that's that supplants that need to do that? I, you know, I, I'm very future forward, very tech forward. So I'm I'm here for it. But yeah, you're right. In the trading in the trading realm, it's it's tough. Like for me, I don't do all the crazy like uh, you know, ABCDs and all of the uh, uh sometimes I do like the EMAs and things like that, but uh a lot of times a lot of those lines are just mystical and there are very few people I believe that actually understand them. A lot of people are just like, "Oh, I heard this guy, you know, Joe Joe Schmo uh trader 69 said like sure. if you follow, yeah, this particular formula, then and you see this candlestick pattern, you know that's that's it, that's the For one sure. you buy in hard there, and it's like okay, no, that's not how it works. So I just watch basic patterns. You know, you find the way you do it. I think is the, the best way to do it if you want to get into trading is you find one pattern that you're really good at seeing, and you execute it on on it very cautiously. Uh, you'll you'll find that it becomes very fun. And then you don't have to win every time. You're never going to time the top. You're never going to time the bottom. You're never going to time your buy or your sell uh, perfectly. 
And, but you can get good at it and you can make a really good living or at least supplement your income. You know, if you just say, I want to make, you know, a 1%, you know, profit on every trade every day. And then you just do that every day and you'd be amazed at what happens. I mean, that's 365 APR right there. Hell yeah, it is. I mean, you're not getting something like that. (laughs) Warren Buffet is not getting those kind of returns. But I want to go oh, back to man. something something you said mm-hmm. before I have so many things I could I but the the I think for creators mm-hmm. for creatives yeah. right mm-hmm. great art is stolen right? right so you're always everything there's nothing new every everything's an iteration everything's inspirational I love Clarice Lispector who is a uh, a Brazilian author uh, who passed away, but she, she, she's just like, she has a whole novella about a woman walking into a room and killing a roach. Like that mm-hmm. is the entire story. I didn't even give the thing away to you yet by telling you that, but uh, it's like the stream of consciousness thing. I would be very surprised to see any sort of AI getting close, but if it did, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be vamping. I'm going to be like chopping it up with that AI to get, that to inspire my brain to go somewhere else. Right. So I, I, yeah, I think for creatives, there's no such, there's not a threat other than like more ammo with the creative thing. But again, that's human Mm -hmm. plus AI. I use like synthesizers and I'm, you know, I love the the reason I love synthesizers is it creates melodic patterns and rhythms that I'm just not one capable of playing because of the speed of it or, you know, cause we go into audio Mm -hmm. rate does, you know, so yeah, it's all ammo, but back to trading real quick. Mm-hmm. What's your pattern then, Jen? Do you have one or two patterns that you're like, oh yeah, we got a bear flag going. I got that. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I really like, I like flags. I like channels. So up channels and down channels are all very obvious for me. I called the down, I called the up channel on Solana last night. I knew there was going to be a dip today. And I just, I just was too lazy to get out my ledger and transfer some soul over to to sell it. And I should have, because now we're lower than we were. Um, and it's not like, oh, I know it. It's just if the current volume continues and, you know, nothing, there's no crazy like announcement or press release, you know, on the part of like uh, Solana itself, then I knew that it was going to dip. Like it was just one of those things. That's how these patterns work. And so, yeah, I like I like bear flags, bull flags, up channels, down channels. There's one that I really like called the three bar play and the four bar play. Um, those ones are. Uh, really fun because they indicate something just taking off or something just diving to the depths of hell. And it's just so fun to get in there and just play that game. Um, usually it's like a, a candle that's either green and it's about three to four times the height of any other candle in the last 24 hours. That's usually how I do it. So it just goes straight up or straight down. It could be the other way. And then you got another one that stays within the range of that candle um, that doesn't go below 50%. And usually if it starts at 50% uh, of that candle and tops up at the exact same height or at the exact bottom, and then you have another one that starts at that middle point and then drops way below again or way above or goes way above. Um, that's a three bar play. And I just, I love that one. I don't know why those ones tend to be really fun roller coasters because then you end up having a lot of... Uh, a lot of shock waves that follow after it because um, they're usually very surprising uh, moves. And so they, they tend to be a fun one to write out. What time frame are you normally looking at? Uh, for the three bar play, the 15 minute. Dang, you're on 15 minute. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, really, I rarely go like below an hour 
when I look at charts. I like to stay at the high time mm-hmm. frame, like daily, monthly, weekly, daily, weekly, monthly. Yeah, so you're more of like home. a swing trader then. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely when I when I trade, I like to do day trades. Either that or I do extremely long. Just I hold, you know, diamond hand shit. Which is yeah, what I right. did for the last year for you know a lot of my assets. So just whatever. I was like, you know what? I know it's gonna come back. I'm not gonna let go of it. It's fine. So, so yeah. the the other similar part of our story is our experience with Crossman because I had a friend, <laughs> uh Graf, La Cryptograph, who, who is an artist uh with the Wasis who released a zombie brain NFT thing on Solana, and I wanted support. Uh, graph on the on the the release and i had a wasi give me some solana as like a as like a tip for a wasi song and they were trying mm-hmm. to like solana pill me right i don't know mm-hmm, what color mm-hmm. pill that is but whatever like purple and teal purple, i guess uh, a, a purpley tealy pill me uh-huh. and so i went in and i like bought a brain and that was dumb because like apparently brains you get for free so you didn't even need to buy that and then um but um that mean that meant I didn't have enough Solana for the zombie. I actually wanted the zombie NFT, and so uh-huh. I saw this buy with credit card button, yeah, on uh, Magic Eden, yeah. and then I saw a buy with Ethereum, and I'm like, Vasis Das, like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yes. Like, and, and so I I click the button, and and then I I, I learn about Crossmint, so I was able to take the ETH in my wallet. That and and just buy the thing, and I didn't even have to think about it. Now I I felt like I was gonna get I was gonna get wrecked, right? But it was a low. It was like a I just know, hey, if I'm not like being very careful, people are gonna take cuts everywhere, and I'm I'm really probably getting it this for half of what I could have got it for or something, um, mm-hmm. or, or vice versa. I, I thought I was like maybe I'm getting ripped off, but this is like a ten dollar purchase, so it's fine. Um, yeah. And and <laughs> I, I click the button, I get the thing. It didn't get fully transferred into my Phantom wallet. And so mm-hmm. it was in Purgatory with Crossmint, which I also thought was really cool. I was like, oh, sweet. Like, I actually just can just now move it. And so I reached out to you because I was like, this is Crossmint's the future. Like, can you do this with other stuff? <laughs> like, can I just have a button that like, like, can we do that now? Mm-hmm. And just like guarantee you, hey, you're not going to get like fully ripped off. And like, this is a great yeah. service. And so this is like the business of like normies, my technically proficient friends who aren't in crypto. One of the mm-hmm. biggest things is like, this is too hard still. I don't want to yeah, think about this is. still. Don't make me do this still. Mm-hmm. Also, they think also they saw FTX and that doesn't help. But, no. <laughs> you know, so yeah. anyway, that's how I got to Crossmint. We got talk, got to talking. So I would love to hear any updates. What's new with Crossmint? What else is happening? How are you doing after Solana tanking? What's going on? Yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm really excited to hear your story because that's exactly what we want people to do. Because like, um, the whole thing with crypto is that we are all the nerds that are the early adopters. We are, you know, we're the people that figure shit out before the rest of the world um, knows exactly how to use it in a way that's the easiest and the most profitable, right? We're the ones who are slogging through the mud, actually learning how crypto and NFT are going, you know, they're going to change our lives. We don't know yet. Um, and you know, like, like you said, it's still too hard. Normies have no freaking clue how to use it. Why do you, why to use it? I mean, it doesn't compare to the rest of their lives. If you think about it, it's like their lives consist of, uh, a car, uh, an iPhone, uh, DoorDash, Netflix, all these things that have been figured out already. All this stuff that started out as a nerdy idea. And then it evolved as something that was then acceptable by the general public. And so that's what we're here to do. That's what Crossman's here to do is we're here to 
do two things really. And that is to evolve the tech and get it to a point where it will be acceptable by the general public, which I dare say right now, as long as the use cases are obvious, for example, we've done drops with Crown Royal just recently, um, some airlines, uh, the NFL, um, Armin Van Buren, you know, several big names that have huge Web2 audiences. Um, those, that, those people use CrossMint. And so they're already starting to find their own use cases for it, where the tech might still be a little too techy, a little too nerdy, not quite what the general public needs, but it does provide a service that in, in, um, in uh, parallel with the actual Web2 persona or the thing that they already know, it makes it so they can, that it's a palatable, a palatable experience. So they're like, okay, we will use CrossMint then, even though it's a little bit, a little bit harder than like just using my visa or, you know, just tapping with my phone or whatever. And so that's what we're here to do, evolve the tech. And then, you know, the other thing is obviously to onboard people to NFTs onto, um, you know, just this ecosystem to see that it's not just monkey pictures killing the Amazon rainforest. That's literally not, you know, that's, that's, that may have some part in the whole story of NFTs, but that's not what it is. What it is, is it's, you know, it's an egalitarian way of, you know, decentralizing and, and actually owning your assets in general, whether it's, you know, financial assets or whether it is um, something that represents the deed to something, um, something that represents your membership in a, an exclusive community that's that's what NFTs and, and crypto are for, and there's going to be many more many more use cases that we uh, that we'll see that you know we don't we haven't even thought of yet, um, or we can't quite think of yet because the pieces that'll lead us there haven't been invented yet. And so you know that's that's what we got in in store. So what Crossman's got you know coming up in the future is uh, we are expanding to more chains. So we are currently on Solana, Ethereum, Polygon, pretty much um, anything that's, you know, uh, on EVM, we can support uh, if anybody wants, like asks for it. But our three main ones that we can support out of the box with our self-service stuff is is those three. So Solana, uh, Ethereum, Polygon. Um, we're looking at expanding to like um, Finance, uh, Flow, Immutable X, like a lot of these ones that have very specific markets like Immutable X is for gaming. Um, gaming is really digging into that one. And so that's something that we're looking at. Avalanche already we have support for. Um, and Avalanche is another big one because there's there's Web2 companies looking at um, sort of competing with Polygon by going to Avalanche. And so that's an interesting, uh, an interesting thing there. And uh, so, yeah, expanding our credit card and cross-chain payments there. Um, and then, of course, you know, we have our custodial wallets, which means that we hold the keys, which makes it easier for people to um, not bother, you know, they're, they're not, they don't, they don't want to bother with like these long passphrases and these, um, the crazy keys and stuff. And they gotta, they gotta hold on to it. That's scary to the average person. Like people are already scared because they have to lock their front door with a physical key. Like imagine having like, you know, some money and assets and like your house deed or something, you know, as an NFT, you know, wherever we end up in the future, imagine having to like lock that down on like a ledger and then like a billfold for your, like, this is not going to happen to people. And so um, trying to figure out a way we can give ownership of the wallets and things, we do not want to hold this stuff. We don't want to hold, you know, we don't want to be responsible for everyone's stuff. We want people to, you know, experience decentralization and truly own their things. So that's something we're digging into as well. Um, and then we also, our wallets are 
Um, you're offering them and working with several clients uh, to offer a, what we call a white label product. So our wallets are going to be integrated into things such as there's a game on already on Steam that is going to be adding CrossMit Wallet, uh, which means that they are going to be uh, creating NFTs within the game. And so you'll be able to own in-game assets in a crypto wallet, and then you'll be able to like trade them, sell them, do whatever you want with them. So the ideal situation for the gamer, right? So like if you think about going on to World of Warcraft and, you know, grinding for five, six years and getting this sick piece of armor that, you know, is world renowned for being, you know, one of the best things ever and is like worth 10 grand or something. Um, you could, if you could have that as an NFT, then, you know, it doesn't matter if your account gets suspended or something, you know, for whatever reason, you own it and you can do something with it. So that decentralization process um, slowly creeping into the world of Web2, I'm really excited about. And the only thing that I can find negative is that with the advent of all of these different um, companies like Starbucks and whatnot jumping into Web2 or jumping into Web3, um, their loyalty programs, because they'll be de decentralized, you know, essentially represented by NFTs and whatnot. And so customers will be able to buy and sell them and trade them. Um, that's just my... That's just, you know, how I think of it right now. Uh, I think that loyalty programs may stop being, they, they may be less lucrative. Let's just put it that way. I think Starbucks is already taking steps to make it so that their NFTs are going to be a little less, you know, if you're, you know, how you get stars for buying a cup of coffee or whatever. Um, they may, they may do that. So that's, that's an unfortunate part. But at the same time, you know, it's one of those shockwaves of new technology that's, that we've got to come to expect. So what I would love to see with Starbucks, because mm -hmm. who, okay, a latte is a latte. It's great, whatever. Um, but, yeah. but like, what if your rewards could be pull together tickets and you could, my name is Millie Monthly now, Jen, because I'm cast, I'm, I'm manifesting mm -hmm. pull together, mm -hmm. having a million dollar prize drawing a month. Oh, so I imagine, imagine having, instead of a latte, tickets in that drawing. You know, like mm -hmm. that would be, that'd be so sweet. That's like, that's, but, but again, Oh man, I, I, I'd be down, man. I'd be buying know? Starbucks every goddamn day. Let me right. tell you what, sorry if right. it's not no, 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 podcast, but. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but for sure. And also like it's table stakes at that point where it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you're in crypto. You got to have 10 bucks and pull together because like you could win a million a month, like, or, mm -hmm. or, a, or, and once we get Millie monthly, I'm going to change mm -hmm. my name to be Billy yearly. So a billion a year. Come on, come on. I love it. I love you know? it. So manifesting, it's the secret. Uh, but yeah, yeah. That, that so but I want to know how are you getting into the rooms of Crown Royal or you know, like these other yeah. big brand names? I'm like with Polygon. Polygon's like, hey, we landed Starbucks. So I'm like DMing them, like, how do we talk to Starbucks? You know? <laughs> yeah. So this is one of those things that you you find out when you get into a startup or even Actually, just watch Shark Tank. That's the way that you get into the room with these these other companies. You get investors because we are we are a VC funded company, and uh, you know we we are a startup, and you know we we're not funded by like NFTs or anything like that. So it's it's one of those things where your investors are going to have contacts and they want to see you succeed. So that's why you choose your investors very wisely. You don't just say I want as much money as possible. You say I want this person, this person, this person, this firm, this firm. Uh, and then this like top leading like financial investment firm because they invested in Coinbase, uh, you know, all these different places, you know, and that's who we got, by the way, is the very top ones. We are very excited and very thrilled to do that. But those people, they have these contacts, these industry contacts, because they have already been successful. They are completely submerged and immersed and just part of the the startup, the business community. And like, 
these people know each other, you know, like head of business development at, you know, um, Taco Bell or something. You could just it, like one of your investors is probably knows them and is probably going out and play a, go- a game of golf with them this weekend. And so that's how you do it is you uh, you pick your investors wisely and then you have, um, you know, just like, okay, who do we want to start targeting? And you, you know, for us, it was an industry thing. We were just like, okay, so there's, uh, we sort of broke it into industry segments based on the moves that they're making and how, um, you know, how far and how deep into these industries that uh, that uh, crypto and NFTs are starting to um, pervade. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's what we did. We um, ended up talking with somebody at Diageo, I think. Actually, no, it was VaynerMedia. Somebody at VaynerMedia is uh, uh, helping us out. And they ended up, um, I think this is how it went. I, I may be wrong, but I, I there's a connection there. Because we had this whole thing with, with uh, Crown Royal was Diageo, Crown Royal, uh, VaynerMedia, uh, Salesforce, and another company or two that I apologize can't remember their name but anyway there was just a big old web of connections there and so we ended up doing it during the uh Thanksgiving um we did a drop with with Crown Royal during Thanksgiving NFL game and so there was a I'm actually going to be dropping a video I almost have it ready like I said I I'm PR over here across it I've been You're making, so freaking I'm awesome. making a lot of videos. You're so awesome it's, so I wanna, fun. it's fun we <laughs> need to add like applause here and I need to have Aww. like a, a great answer button for your last answer I wanted to press a button that said good answer good answer anyways keep going <laughs> thank you um but yeah we just um you know it's just it's just who you know in this business it really is and that's that's the whole reason startups get investors um is for the money yes but it's also to secure those people um and those connections and and understand that is like it's really the difference and that's that's and i'm sorry that it's it's such a it's it's a very specific answer that may be out of reach for a lot of a lot of folks but what I can say is that um, a surrogate for having like, oh, I have a startup and I'm getting investors is to actually get on LinkedIn and start making posts and start tagging some companies or you know people. And I'm not talking about tagging like Amazon and Starbucks. I'm talking about start tagging companies that you know may have connections to these other companies. Start talking about what they're doing, what they're building. You know, give are you them one content. of these? Are you one of these LinkedIn influencers? No, actually, I just watch them all. I just I sit know. back and observe. I oh love it. Gosh. I'm just like, oh, okay. All right. That's how they do it. Oh, my oh, gosh. Fun. Yeah, it's I ain't a, got time for that. No, no, no. I got that. And <laughs> no. also LinkedIn is like very not Web3. But I mean, if you're trying no. to reach normies, LinkedIn mm-hmm. is the most normie place on the planet. So right. that's how you do it, right? right? Yeah, exactly. And so, so that's that's something I've seen, too, is a lot of times getting connected, making connections. Honestly, don't be afraid to just say, hey, I'm going to create a connection with this person, like this business development manager over at, um, you know, Uber or whatever. And I'm going to say, look, hey, I just saw you. I have this idea. You know, you know, you've heard all this craze about NFTs. Here's my idea for how I think we could possibly, you know, I have an idea for how we could possibly like work with Uber to, you know, do this or whatever. You never know. There's going to be people out there that accept those requests. And they're going to be like, holy shit, I was just thinking about this today. Let's talk. Do not be afraid to reach out. That's what I have to say about that. I, there was something with LinkedIn where you could connect it to your Gmail and then invite every contact. So I think like I, I accidentally mass invited like everyone that has ever been on an email with me. And oh, so like I, people are like, hey, hey, Tim, are you how are you connected with this person? Can you connect me? I'm like, I'm so sorry. I accidentally hit 
invite everybody and people just accepted it. So I have a bunch of randos. Uh, let me go back into the Discord so chat because we got N Cookie with with some questions here uh, yeah. that I think are really good. One of them, and this is the Swiss Army knife thing, and this is a common like I have I've I'm diagnosed with ADD. It's it's a real real uh-huh. thing. It's a superpower and it's a curse, and you know gotta gotta manage it. But how do you, as a Swiss Army knife, have time for the scissors and the nail file and the the knife and the toothpick? <laughs> like, how do you use all the tools, or or do you, or like, how do you? Yeah, how do you prioritize that that Swiss Army knifeness? Yeah, well, I mean, really good question. Honestly, it's not been until I got into Web3 really that I was able to fully unleash all of the tools and and realize that I could use them all. Um, and you're going to hate this, but I I pretty much quit playing video games. And so I know that sucks. So that's pretty much what I do now is in the evenings, I'll just do something else. Like I said, I'm a writer on the side, science fiction writer. So the you know, I, I, I have very strict hours for work and unless there's going to be, you know, because web three is such a global phenomenon, I will, um, you know, sometimes be, have a, a Twitter space or something at like, you know, four in the morning or something like that. So that happens. Um, and a lot of times when I was doing sales, I would ca- talk to customers at all hours because they would be all over the world. Um, so essentially I set very strict boundaries and, it's one of those things that's hard for me because I'm a very ADD person. I have only really realized it recently. And, uh, you know, I've realized I've been coping with it for all my life by forcing myself to, uh, towards one specific goal and then executing on that so well that everybody gives me compliments. And then I would like thrive on that. And that's how I would go to the next thing. And so it has to be this thing where I'm just, I'm, I'm doing something that I know is going to be so freaking cool that people are going to notice. And so, you know, that's, that's just my personal motivation and how I do things. So like I said, setting boundaries, understanding what drives you and then what is your, uh, what is going to be the most value for you and not the most value for, uh, other people slash what you think other people want you to do. So the things that you want to do, you're going to be most invested in. You're going to do them better. You're going to do them more efficiently. You're going to do them well. And so that's, that's really what it is. Set boundaries. Find the things that you like to do and you can do really, really well uh, when you have, obviously, the opportunity to do so. Um, so in a startup, uh, especially in Web3, jobs other than engineer are very fluid. So I've done so many different things. I've worn so many different hats here across me. And one of the things that I do to help keep all of this stuff straight is I actually run our internal wiki and our external uh, FAQ on our website. And so by doing that, I have all of this information I'm constantly looking at and it's keeping everything fresh in my mind. And then I'm writing like new ones when we have new features that come out and things like that. So it just, it's this thing where I'm providing value to the company, but I'm also bringing the value back to myself so that I can come on places like this community podcast is amazing place where I've had such a blast talking so far. I'm just really enjoying being here. I can come here and I can have that information ready at my fingertips. Is that you saying that you have to go soon? No. Okay, good. Because I, I have so have many more questions for you. What game did you give up? <laughs> what What game did you give up? Oh, I, it's probably games, so but what was the main one? The most painful thing ever is Rocket League. I gave up Rocket League. I hate that game because I love I'm, it so I'm not. Much. But I could see, like, if you if I was good at that game, I would love that game. And I actually have a MetaQuest uh, two uh-huh. thing, and there's a there's a Mac version now. It's like mm-hmm. you're a Mac. 
uh rocket league in meta quest that's like i played it last night it's so fun but anyways oh you don't need to, you don't to need to know about that no you don't need to know about <laughs> that because i don't want to ruin your system hey it doesn't mean that i don't play them ever it's just that i used to like get off work and i would play games until bed and that was like my thing like I, yeah. i'm relaxing i'm done um i used to play league of legends i actually worked at right games for a while and so that was like my my thing is i would play that i also love um uh turn-based strategy games so Every single civilization game I've played, uh, I love um, Endless Space 2 is another one of my favorites. So I either do like turn-based strategy or extreme like adrenaline games. Those are like my only two that I play, like and essentially. Co- and, and Cookie says Stellaris? Stellaris is good. I I just, for some reason, the way they do their maps drove me batshit but that's just because i'm so used to civilization and then endless space is so much like a civilization clone in space it just it made sense to me naturally but the yeah the way they like do their maps and you port from like one sector or one region to another i just oh god i don't know why maybe you can tell me how i can actually don't tell me because i don't want to freaking get into it i love space games so <laughs> and then but, yeah. and then how do you go start to finish from a novel like on your your science fiction oh how, uh, do, how tool? do you yeah like oh. how do you how do you complete novels? You know, when I wrote my first novel, it was actually in 2019. I had a near death experience where I had something completely randomly mechanically wrong with my body just happened, um, like one in a million sort of thing. And I realized I'd be really pissed off because I've always wanted to be a writer, uh, and I have a whole other story around that about why I didn't write for about ten years of my life and and stuff like that, but. I realized I'd be so pissed off if I didn't write a book before I died. And so I said, okay, I'm going to learn how to write. I'm actually going to sit down because I've been like piddling out some words for like several years trying to write a book. I had like 30,000 words, 40,000 words down in a, in a book and it was terrible. Um, so I just sat down, I studied, you know, I was off work for three months while I was recovering from this thing that happened. And I, I studied and I studied, I found videos um, for anybody interested in writing fiction, go look up Brandon Sanderson's 318R class on youtube he teaches it for free every four years he re-records it and that's one of the very best classes you can take to learn the like minimum viable basics of writing science fiction and fantasy and um that's 318r by brandon sanderson i highly recommend it it's free and he teaches it at uh, byu and um, puts it up every four years and so i just study i read books and then i just started writing i i um had an outline. I'm an outline writer, but I do what we call a floating outline where I will write a section and then things, because I'll get so excited about what I'm writing, stuff will just come out and in that, that I will then have to change up kind of the direction of where I'm going in the story. And so, so you're a pantser. No, I'm actually not. I love the micro pants, but not the macro pants. (laughs) (laughs) You like, you like the short shorts. You're the short Uh, shorts. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. I'm the hot pants. I'm a hot pantser. Oh my God, I'm going to trademark that one. But yeah, so that's that's essentially what I did. And so I actually, I was so burned up about not having a book done and almost, you know, almost leaving this world and not having something done that I started getting up three hours before work every day and writing. I would write from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And I would uh, do that every day. And I finished it in nine months, 170,000 word epic fantasy. Um, it's not science fiction, but I'd had this epic fantasy uh, story in my mind for for a long time. And so I finished it. And I remember that when I wrote the end, 
there was this strange upwelling of just emotions that I have no idea where it came from. It was something from my unconscious, from my subconscious, from whatever place. And I just started crying. And it was just this crazy moment. I still remember it was, it was, it was like the unlocking of a superpower and also like showing me that I could do it, damn it. And so I wrote another book after that. And then I've written a couple of short stories last year. My actually my mentor passed away in January, which was really hard for me. Uh, my writing mentor, uh, I hadn't realized how close he had been to me. Dave Farland, if you're familiar with him, uh, he wrote the uh, Rune Lords series and he became a teacher. And um, so when he passed away, I, I it was hard for me to write anything. And um, but I started writing short stories to submit to something called the Writers of the Future contest. And that was a contest he used to uh, essentially be the head judge for. And I said, damn it, this is what I, I need to do. I need to write this and I need to have it. Um, I need to win this contest because this is something that, you know, I, I think he would have been proud of. And I wanted to do it anyway, because if you win that contest, you essentially have a career started for you. You know, your your writing career will be started. And so my very first entries, I won what's called a silver honorable mention, which is almost a winner. Um, and pretty much people will write for like five, 10 years and never get one of those. So I was just like really, really excited and encouraged. And right now I'm kind of excited because I'm waiting for the results of, of this last quarter. Um, I think I wrote my very best story I've ever written in my life. And I am really hoping this will be the win. But so essentially, I guess the way that I found myself writing is just near-death experience and then just really really hardcore uh being very bullheaded and uh just stubborn about getting it done um i don't get up at six in the morning to write anymore i'm more of like a 2 a.m to 10 a a 2 a.m to 10 a.m kind of person for sleeping so um what i do is i write at night um and I'll, after work i will chill for a little bit maybe make some dinner and watch an episode of tv and then i will mentally switch over and then i will think about how good it felt to write the end that one time. And then that is almost enough for me. Like that's almost all I need to just sit down and start banging out some words again. Um, I'm currently working on a nonfiction book actually about my experience in Web3 and sort of onboarding some normies onto NFTs through the book is what I want to do. So, okay. So as far as publishing goes, then you're Uh like, you're like, let's submit to contests or prizes, like that sort of thing. And that basically like, then people want you Mm -hmm. and, and we'll do, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Excited about the nonfiction exploration. That's really cool. Um, more more questions from the chat here. One of them, I'm going to slip in my own question is where are you looking at NFT charts? Like, is there a charting thing? And then, and then secondly, Uh Um, what are your thoughts on the NFT lending borrowing space? Okay. So first question, where am I looking at NFT charts? So I actually just look at Solana, um, Solana NFT. So that's not going to be helpful, but I, it's called soulsniper.xyz. I'll put a link in chat. It is, uh, literally it looks like trading view for NFTs and it's just, it's super cool because you can, um, you know, chart by, you, you know, you can do your, your daily chart or your hourly chart or your 15 minute. And it's, um, it shows like live sales. Uh, it shows, yeah, it shows floor prices, whatever you want. You can have a watch list, all this stuff. And so it's just really fun going. And that's actually how I get my overview. I don't know if there's one for Ethereum. I'm sure there is. There has to be because it's such an obvious thing. Um, but yeah, you can just get an overview of kind of the market and who's doing what. You can see, you know, what's hot, what's moving, that kind of stuff. 
And then, and then yeah, yeah, lending, borrowing, NFTs, yeah. collateralization. Yeah. I actually think that it is uh, a very tenuous enterprise at best. I think that um, attributing uh, equity, I actually just tweeted about this yesterday, attributing equity to such a volatile asset that is based mainly on community speculation is something that is a little bit irresponsible. But then again, we're all sort of irresponsible by being in the space in the first place, I would say just a little bit because we are we are, uh, by being in the decentralized space like this, we are effectively uh, standing up to the existing centralized institutions. So we are, you know, defying, uh, you know, for example, here in um, in the United States, like the, the Treasury, and we're defying, you know, all these, these, these central banks and things like that. Um, so I think it's a great exploration and a great experiment into what could be the evolution of of financial services and um and finance as a whole i would not use it i have thought about using it though because i have a couple of uh d gods and i have uh ute and if you're familiar with those they've shot back up um in, in price which is nice and I'm actually building a uh, cabin out in the country. I'm buying some acreage and building like an Airbnb, a hunting Airbnb, essentially is what it's going to be. And writing. I'm going to have a writing, a little writing retreat there too. I'm going to try to do that every year. And I thought about it. I was like, man, if I had, if I need a little extra money to like, you know, buy nice furniture or whatever for it, I wonder if I could like take out a loan, you know, on my, one of my NFTs that I have, like, you know, I could. And I, so I thought about it and it's still there in the back of my mind. Um, but yeah, I think it's something that is definitely experimental right now. I think just definitely be careful, uh, because these are, as we all know, these are not, uh, like backed by anything other than pretty much the community and the prices of, of, of crypto, which can be extremely volatile. So that's, that's my general idea. I'm not really an expert in that field, but, um, I have worked in fintech for a number of years. And that's that's what I feel about it. But at the same time, there's a, you know I have kind of a I'm definitely more conservative when it comes to money in general. Uh, I tend I tend towards uh, watching and waiting and observing and seeing what happens first. And so that's that's where I'm at. And then what about peer to peer lending? Yeah, I don't yeah, just I, in general. Yeah, I if if two people come to an agreement, that is that's you know the law between them, and I firmly believe that nobody should get in the way of that kind of thing. So that is something that I think is totally fine, because they both are accepting the the risk and the consequences, and so that's fine. Yeah, I'm just really fascinated with like credit scores and peer to peer lending, NFT. Like mm -hmm. I'm a student of Richards of uh arlie riano yeah. in, in the chat and so uh it's mm -hmm. been really I, I just grew up thinking debt was a bad thing and then um you know just get rid of it get rid of it and then then i'm like wait people use debt to build wealth what is going on and so i'm reading the debt the first five thousand years right now uh -huh. and uh I, actually i need to get it back from the library come on library uh, it's on hold yeah. <laughs> so anyway yeah. but uh but listen jen you're the most interesting podcast guest in the world and, oh my gosh, um, thank you. So this has been awesome. You have given me ideas for ways to improve the show by having a good answer button. And we need more applause buttons because you've given such banger answers. And it's also just <laughs> so cool to talk about CrossFit, to talk about NFTs. It, you're yeah. a wealth of knowledge and life experience. And so thank you. 
you get the last Thank word you. though. So what else do we need? Did you want to say, do you have anything? What's your parting thoughts for us here, the pool together community? Okay. You know what? I, I had so much fun on this. Uh, number one, I, I hope you invite me back. I hope I can be a repeat. Oh yeah. I already heard round two coming up. Yeah. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. This was, this was actually a really chill experience in here. I really enjoyed this, but um, I would say right now, I feel like those of us in NFTs are doing a lot of what we call in the author world, navel gazing. We are all sitting there looking at ourselves in the mirror and describing our clothes and how we're not as pretty as the girl next door. And that's how you know she's going to end up being pretty to somebody else and blah, blah, blah. And we're all looking at ourselves and we're looking at what we're doing and we are not looking at what could be. A lot of us are looking at it like, oh my God, when's the next NFT drop? Can I get whitelist? Oh my God, like what's this influencer saying? You know, this is just, this is a passing thing all of this that's happening right now is just one step on a long staircase towards mass adoption and changing the way that we live forever, just like the internet did, just like Amazon did. Um, Right now, we're essentially at the stage where if we were Amazon, um, we would be like, and, and if we tried to put what we do in Amazon terms, we would be giving people a website where they had to go through an inventory one by one of everything that they want. And they would have to choose the truck, um, choose the fuel, uh, you know, choose the warehouse that it comes from. And then they would have to make sure that they had, you know, a lock that they, you know, put on the door and all this stuff. Anyway, you get it, right? So that's where we're at right now. Um, in the if you think about how great Amazon is at doing what it does, making it easy to buy something, have it show up. Uh, we need to start looking towards the future and start identifying those things that NF, like that NFTs are going to solve that we don't know our problems yet. What What is it about our lives that could be better in general? What is it about NFTs that's really great? And then start trying to make connections. And so I would say for anyone who's an investor here that's you know an investor in NFTs, and I say that very loosely, anybody who buys NFTs and is interested in them, I would definitely say one thing you should be looking at is not how uh, you know, cool the utility is and the shit coin that's attached to it and all this stuff. What I would say is look for these teams of builders that have a real vision that is actually something beyond a remix of the same crap we've been seeing for the past five years in NFTs. That's not what we need. What we need is that tiny spark of something new, something different, something that's a little bit edgy, that's out there on the border of what's been done, right? Right there on the frontier. Somebody's got to be like me, you know, somebody's got to be that trumpet player that's the schmuck up at the front of the column marching into, you know, unknown territory. And so I would say, uh, keep an eye on those companies and those projects and those teams that are building new things. And that's, you know, obviously do your trading and, and get your whitelist. But that's going to be where the future is with those people. Jen, it is a gift to know you. Thank you for being on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for CrossFit. So much, Tim. Keep fighting yeah. the good fight. Are you going to East yeah, Denver? Man. Are you going to be at East Denver? I probably will not be, no. <laughs> I know. Okay, well, we need to sync up where we can see each other IRL at some conference or something. Absolutely. But it'll happen. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Definitely. Yeah. All right, cool. man. It was great to meet you and to talk to you and everybody here. If you guys have any questions for me, please feel free to to hit me up um, either here on Discord or on Twitter. I'm uh, at Jen Fur, J-N-N-F-I-R on Twitter. And um, I'm happy to talk anytime. 
that's it. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Cool, Jen. All right. You're the best. Thanks for listening to the Pool Together Community Podcast. You can visit pooltogether.com to deposit. And we'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode. So visit the Pool Together Discord and let us know.